Hey fellow fraud fighters, a big welcome to the Seon Cat and Mouse Show, where we'll look to get into the mindset, thinking and learnings of the hardest working group of heroes we know, the fraud fighting professional. And on alternative shows, we'll dive into the opposite world of current or ex-fraudsters to get a real insight into what's driving them to do what they do. And ultimately, we'll be trying to best work out who's the real cat and mouse here. Hugo, a, a very big welcome to you to the Say on Cat and Mouse show. Uh, thank you for coming on there. We're, we're excited to speak to you today. You've got a very long and varied history within the iGaming world with such names as Rank Group over at Paddy Power Betfair Group and Sporting Bet, and then over more recently at Legrand, and then also at uh, Netbet, uh, at your current. Uh, but thank you for coming on the show there, Hugo. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, good to be here with you guys. Uh, there's a couple of key areas I wanted to dive into for the benefit of our audience. Um, I think what's interesting is you worked in iGaming for a really good 10-year history, and um, I'm sure there's been a lot of experience. Um, it looks like kind of within a lot of the London organizations. But then uh, just a couple of years ago, um, you were involved in a project over in Mexico in uh, the Monterrey area with La Grande. And I'd like to zoom in on, first of all, the cultural differences with fraud and risk for a Latin American market versus the kind of fraud and risk attitude uh, in Europe here. And maybe we can dive into that topic first. Actually, I had the opportunity to work in Mexico from 2017 to 2019. It was a, a great opportunity to be working there. So the challenges in the Latin market are actually completely different to the ones that we actually experience here in the in the UK. Uh, like, let's say, for instance, in because I've been working for the online gambling industry for quite a long time, and here in the UK, in Europe, is highly regulated. There is a lot of cooperation between, uh, let's say, banks when it comes to chargeback, and uh, so there is a uh, the, the flow between the the merchant and the and the banks is actually quite quite good. It's that's not the case <laughs> when you go to Latin America, and especially uh, I think in Mexico, the fact that there was um, even though it's, it's legal. Obviously, that it's, it's legal. That's the reason I was there. <laughs> so, um, but there's still a lot of loophole within the um, say regulation wise. So that was that was for me the main the main experience when it came to trying to pretty much replicate a, a UK experience in Mexico. That that was the main challenge from my perspective that, that I actually experienced. Cool. So there was a difference in regulation um, yeah. because of. Would you describe it as maybe a little bit less mature than what we have in UK and Europe? What what were the other things that you were noticing as differences uh, between that market uh, that you worked in for a few years and then our market here? Yeah, no, definitely. When it comes to regulation and maturity, that that's the main that's the main difference, at least for the for the online gambling industry. And I think one of the main um, differences is that. Uh, Trying obviously the knowledge that that I had from coming from uh, the UK it was very useful, but then trying to sort of replicate that <laughs> that knowledge and in into Mexico it was a little bit challenging because uh, the the way things work in Mexico is not quite the same as uh, that they were here in the in the UK. So, but I think in the main issue was maturity of the market, and let's say for instance um, when it comes to dealing with banks. And the fact that the, the, the maturity is not obviously as, as the same as the, the one in the UK, that uh, in certain cases, the banks were kind of, um, I wouldn't say, well, yeah, a little bit reluctant to work, to work or cooperate with you because uh, they were not, they're not used to it. It's not that it was, it was actually uh, 
that they thought it was legal, just simply that, that they, they, they didn't know how to handle it because uh, they, they they're more used to handling goods, actual goods, not services, which is, that's, I think that's probably where I would like to uh, kind of stress the fact that there was no physical good. That's where it actually, <laughs> that, that was the main challenge. How did it also reflect on the team as well, Hugo? Because I guess you came in with a lot of experience. And um, what did you find? Yeah, your colleagues that you're working with, how management viewed risk and frauds there. What was that quite different as well? Pretty much for me, uh, one of the challenge was actually finding someone who would ideally have the online gambling experience, which it was actually quite difficult to find. But actually, um, we managed to find a team who actually had a fraud online experience, um, whether it might have been with a bank or with a retailer itself. Yeah, and we had to be a little bit resourceful and, and go with uh, someone from a completely different uh, background or um, coming from still a different background, but still coming from the, from the online um, experience. That makes sense. And um, you were talking, I think, even before this chat about, I think your responsibilities went further up, right? You were managing a team, you were responsible for sourcing, interviewing the team and um, mentoring them, coaching them yeah, as they kind of develop, especially if they weren't from the iGaming space as well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That was actually quite a, a good experience. Because, I mean, as I just mentioned now, yeah, the team did not have the the gambling gaming experience that it was actually required. So, but but they had the the basic knowledge, which is great. Obviously, I, I mean, at the end, uh, committing fraud online, it's in some ways that sort of same patterns uh, repeat. And within the online gambling, it's got a slightly different. It behaves slightly different, to put it that way. Yes, and that was one of actually. Uh, now that you mentioned that, that was one of the experiences that when I had to come back to the UK, one of the team members said, uh, "I really appreciate because you were my mentor during all this time in here, and I learned a lot from you. And actually, yes, I'm going to miss you now that you <laughs> now that you decided to go back to the UK. Well, when someone tells you or you hear that from someone. Actually, yes, I'm going to be seekers and, and you've been a mentor for me. That that, that feels good. Yeah. Um, if you take a step back, Hugo, I'm curious to now in reflection, when you think about the team members that uh, did well under under yourself, would you say there's certain traits that, you know, no matter their background, this is what might make a good risk manager? Uh, yes, definitely. For instance, in my case, one of the things that I probably consider that, that it would make a good um, risk manager it would be uh, attention to detail. And let's say, for instance, within your team that you're actually looking for, uh, someone who is uh, actually has got um, that attention to details and, and, and that actually look at things uh, or might spot things that some other people might not be able to, that we would make the person a really good risk manager in, in, in the future. And that's what I think, because at the end, what you're looking for, it's looking for someone who you can actually mentor and develop. And eventually that person would either move on or would eventually take your place. <laughs> and as well, you still have that, that ability to, to kind of like weigh up the pros and cons of, let's say, your decisions. And and, and I think we had a chat before that you said, are you more into taking risks or are you a little bit more relaxed and you'd rather let things through and then adjust? Yeah, Hugo, that was um, the good discussion we're having around where on the kind of scale you sit, whether on a fraud and risk side, you're probably more, uh, I guess, conservative or whether you're more yeah. about trying to trying to optimize for revenue and then learning mm-hmm. off that as well right that's uh, what we were saying and uh, i think you were telling me you were probably more on yes. revenue and then adjusting after 
yeah, a more, a more, definitely a more um, revenue. Um, that 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 would be my my aim, <laughs> or that 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 would be my path. I would rather um, be more uh, revenue uh, oriented, and then not letting uh, customers um, through. To be to be completely honest, yeah. How do you weigh that up against also? Because I know as you've added more senior experience, Hugo, you also have to stick on your management hat, right? And then you've got the compliance hat on as well. And like, you know, it's very, of course, important now that the compliance is probably a big driver for a lot of these discussions. How do you balance those kind of things, revenue, compliance, fraud, these different elements? Yeah, I mean, actually, it is a little bit challenging, I think, for any fraud manager to kind of like do that juggling between compliance, fraud prevention, and revenue three elements to put it that way you need to be compliance you need to make money and then at the same time you need to stop the the, the bad guy so and you're trying to find that that balance is not i mean it's not it's not quite easy i would say and i think that's probably the main challenge that all fraud managers experience on a daily basis and i think it depends but then um it depends on your um on the sort of direction or the sort of risk appetite that the company might have as well. So that's based on the strategy as well that the, the company might have itself. I, I think some companies might be might have a, obviously they all have different strategies and some of them would rather be riskier than um, be stricter with customers. And the main um, let's say issue or the main concern would, would always be to um, trying to be as compliant as you can. Because, I mean, of course, if you if you're not compliant, um, that that would obviously have like negative um, repercussions on the business. I think it's all down to uh, yeah the business strategy more than anything. But it's but it's not easy indeed. <laughs> and you also talked about for compliance, it's trying to use data as best as you can now, um, to support this, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, for instance, uh, at NetBed, what we do is yeah, every single decision that is made is data driven. We don't, um, I mean, and I guess that's the case now nowadays. Now that we obviously data, it's basically data tells you or dictates what you should or shouldn't be doing within the company. We don't actually flick the switch or do anything <laughs> unless it's been really well documented. Hugo, this is uh, this has been a really good snapshot of your experience, particularly kind of. As you said, the kind of very different attitude uh, with your learning in Latin America for uh, that couple of years project. Now you're back in the UK, of course. So you know our podcast is the Say on Cat and Mouse podcast, and we always uh, ask our guests at the end, uh, in the world of professional fraud fighter like yourself versus, say, the professional fraudster, um, who, who do you think represents the cat and who do you think represents the mouse in that scenario? I mean, if you had asked me that that question probably like a few years ago, fifteen years ago, when I started working um, within the, the, the this industry, I would probably have said that we were the the mouths. But now I think nowadays technology is actually. I mean, it could work either way, but I think that technology is allowing us to be a little bit more proactive and pretty much inside. I would say it's a quite even race at the moment. Um, uh, fortunately, um, there is a lot of, um, at the moment, platforms or tools out there, fraud prevention tools that actually make our life easier. But obviously, at the same time, that same sort of technology is available to process. So they get uh, smarter and smarter like, as they go by. But um, it's easier than it, than it used to be. So 
yeah, we, we, we could be either <laughs> the cat or the mouse. I think, uh, but um, I would say it's pretty even at the moment. Hugo, thank you so much for being on. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's show. At Seon, our whole startup is 100% focused on helping you, the hardworking fraud manager, fight fraud with tools that are intuitive and fully complement your existing risk tech stack. Check out our website where you can get started on a free trial and be up and running in 30 seconds or less.